Mommy, can we talk about technology? Sure, Ava. I'm your host, Jessica Bullock, and thank you for tuning in to Therapy and Technology. Hey guys, if you're looking for a little bit of support, I just want to invite you over to our group, The Hybrid Practice. We are a group of therapists who are looking to create practices that treat both face-to-face and online clients. I go live every single week to share information about the ever-changing obstacles in our field regarding technology, and we also support one another in our individual endeavors. So feel free to head on over to Facebook groups where we all hang out at The Hybrid Practice. See you there. I am so excited to present to you all Dr. Jessica Stone. She's a licensed psychologist working in a private practice setting in Colorado. She's been a practitioner, a professor, a presenter, and an author for more than 25 years. Dr. Stone recently launched her edited book, Integrating Technology into Modern Therapies. And I am super excited to say that she also is the co-creator of the Virtual Sandtray app, which you are currently about to listen to to understand more about what that is. Uh, She, and she doesn't call it an app, she calls it a program, so I have to remember that. It's a virtual sand tray program. Uh, so listen, help me welcome Dr. Jessica Stone. You're going to just learn so much from her, and she has a wealth of information, and let's get to it. Well, Dr. Stone, I am so excited to have you on to therapy and technology simply because not only do you have a phenomenal name, Jessica, but you have made such a wave in our field. So I'm going to start off by having you just share a little bit about your background. background. Well, I have a PhD in clinical psychology and it specializes in ecosystemic clinical child psychology. Mm. And I also am a registered play therapist supervisor, and I have been in the field, it kind of freaks me out to say it, but almost 27 years. Wow, that's great. (laughs) It means I'm old. No, it doesn't. You're just wise. (laughs) What made you want to go into play therapy? I've always wanted to do some kind of work with children. Even when I was younger, I was drawn to working with children. And when I started to go through all the different fields and the different things you could do with working with children, uh, doing it in a mental health capacity really fit for me. And so as I continued to move toward the higher degrees in, in this field, play therapy came to my attention and I, it just, it was a really great fit. And I just thought I need to pursue this further. So I was very fortunate to go to a program that was headed by Dr. Kevin O'Connor, who is a premier play therapist. And he's also the co-founder of the association for play therapy. And I, I was really fortunate to learn from the best and be connected with other people who are really knowledgeable. And I, I just feel very fortunate to, I think I've said that like 10 times now, but it yeah. really is true <laughs> um, to, to have had the experience and the education that I have. Wow. So that, that is um, a very special niche. And, you know, I think that you all play all of you play therapists are special you have a special patience and uh that's needed when working with children i'm assuming um but there's also a tenderness and uh the beauty in working with the innocence of children at, at where they are 
that I I found. So you wrote a book. It it was currently per published. At, it, it was um, there was a component that focuses on integrating technology into modern based therapies. Uh, what led you to publish this work specifically? Well, I I feel like I need to address that that obviously I've already admitted that I'm older and <laughs> uh, and and I'm not of the generation that has grown up with all of these things. I can remember the excitement of the first phone answering machine. Right. So, so <laughs> definitely not brought up with all of this stuff. And, right. and I, I personally have four children. And so I have been exposed to various things through my children and then also obviously through my clients. And so I don't come at this in, in the, this, sense of this is a language that I naturally speak. I'm not a gamer. I, um, I don't spend a lot of time, oddly enough, with technology in my day-to-day life, except my telephone. Right. I'm, I'm very attached to my smartphone, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's important to me is when I was in graduate school, I had a professor who really focused on, and it spoke loudly to me, the importance of speaking your client's language. Yes. So even years ago, when I was doing presentations um, regarding Pokemon cards, Mm. (laughs) I know they're still around today, but about 15 years ago, they were, um, they, there was a lot more of the gameplay, like the, the, actual the card cards. Gameplay. Yes, they yes. were big. Yeah. And, and I remember teaching classes and, and I would bring up even the word Pokemon and seriously, the entire audience would just moan and fall back in their chair. <laughs> like, if I have to hear one more time about this Pokemon... And, and I said, okay, well, I, I get that. But at the same time, let's think about this. This is the language our clients are speaking today. Mm-hmm. And this speaks to them in a way that's important to them. So by default, in my thinking, that means it should be important to us to a point. Yes. And, and, and definitely in trying to figure out what does it mean? How are they using it? What might parallel or not the things going on in their lives? I mean, in Pokemon, there's strengths and weaknesses. You're giving up certain things to get certain things. Right. And they, there's evolution, the characters, what are they attracted to and why? And that really has resonated with me in, in all these generations of, of kids I've seen so far in my work. So right. when it came to this explosion of technology in our lives, to me, it was not a moan and groan. It was, okay, this is our client's language. Mm. How do we figure out how to appropriately incorporate that into our work and understand more about them? Because if we don't, one of the things that really concerns me is if as a a field, as therapists who work with children or, or other professionals who work with children, if we discount this language they're speaking, we are discounting a good portion of who they are and how they see the world and how they see themselves in it. And that is a big mistake. Absolutely. You know what, Dr. Stone, I love how you say, use the word, the, the term client's language when you refer to technology. And I'll be honest, I haven't heard anyone use that term when discussing uh, client's language. And I think that using that term normalizes the process of integrating technology into practice because a lot of the, you know, you know, the more 
the wiser clinicians and therapists who have not grown up with technology, you know, there has been a pushback that has come from a lot of, of them. And um, I feel as though that using that type of language, uh, you know, reframes the way we look at technology and practice and even invites them to be more willing to try to understand it from that perspective. So I love how you use the client's language as a reflection of using technology. I, I've never heard it. Very interesting. I, I, I feel like I say it a lot. So if people, <laughs> people are listening who know me, they're probably like, oh, there she goes again. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to be using that right now. I'm going to start using that. So now one of the things that I was very intrigued with, I feel like I use the word intrigued a lot, but the, one of the words that, one of the things that I was most intrigued with you about is, and even more so now knowing that, you know, you are coming from the other side of this technology wave is that you are the co-developer of the virtual sand tray app. Now, can you describe to all of us about what that is? I'm like literally jittering in my seat. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, what is this? <laughs> so I, I want me to tell you how it came about. You want me to start there? Yes, please. Okay. So in 2011, my friend and colleague in Japan, uh, she put out a plea in, on Facebook for toys and materials because they had just had that major tsunami. Mm -hmm. that mm. And they were trying to work with all these families and children and, and adults as well and trying to work with them and, and they didn't have any materials because things had just been destroyed. And so I went and I went shopping and, and bought all sorts of things and people, I went on the news here locally and got four big, huge boxes worth of items to send to Japan. And the local FedEx company uh, location here they were very generous and they actually sent them to Japan for free for me. And it was, wow. And so then I started thinking and I was talking to my husband uh, and, and I started thinking about, well, what are they going to do about sand tray? Because sand tray is, is very commonly used in Japan. Mm. And I was concerned because they couldn't use a tool that was so important to them. Right. And sand tray is such a powerful tool as a traditional method. Um, and so when I started thinking about it, I was thinking it needs to be portable. And, and in our field, we do have these quote, I'm giving you some air quotes, just like uh, Dr. Altvader did <laughs> giving you some air quotes yes. um, in, in a previous podcast that you had done with her. So uh, portable in the sense that you're carrying around a smaller amount of sand and a tray and then whatever miniatures you can fit in your pack. And, and for those of you who aren't familiar with sand tray, the, the really, really basic description is that it's a, typically a wooden box and you put sand in it. It's often painted blue on the bottom. And so that if you dig down in the sand, it looks like there's water. Mm. And then there's typically a collection of, of miniatures that are put in the sand to create a world. Mm -hmm. And then depending on the theory of the therapist, it would be analyzed or not, interpreted or not, discussed or not, depending. Right. Okay. So there's, there's multiple ways to, to work with it after it's created. But for the, for the creation part of it, it's pretty much the same. So I, I just couldn't think of ways other than 
a tablet that would make a virtual stand tray and have it be really portable wow. and accessible. And so I said to my husband, it, it needs to be on a tablet. We need to do this. And, and my husband is the other co-developer. So he's the other co-founder and uh, which is great because we're sitting in our living room at 11 o'clock. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> Business we, meeting. <laughs> we, right. Exactly. We need to add this. We need to add this. Right. And, uh, and really work through the important features that needed to be in this. And he is not a, he, he taught himself how to develop and program when he was a teenager, oh. which is just mind blowing to wow. me because that is a language I do not speak. <laughs> right. <laughs> I try. And, and so uh, he, a couple of years later, after I had, at first, he wasn't able to start working on it. He was too busy with other things. And then I called around to try to get it started. And it was phenomenally expensive. Yeah, just to start the developing process, not a complete project, but just to start it was $35,000. I believe it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's not happening. So <laughs> So a couple of years later, my husband said, I'm going to start that project for you. And, and those of you who, who are um, in the partnership of some sort, that could mean anything, right? Because <laughs> you're going to start that project. That could be something on the honeydew list. Like, I didn't know what he was talking right. about. Uh, and, and ultimately, it was the virtual stand tray. And so now we have this, it's just an amazing, I don't even want to call it an app. It's an app by default because it's on the iPad. Right. And we put it on the app store purposely so that people could easily access it, download it. They could get updates very easily. If we did it through, say, a website, um, then it would be much more cumbersome to get all those things. Right. Really, this is a program. It's not an app. It's, it has confidentiality features built in. All the clients get their own account. Wow. Um, as an administrator, you can sign in and see everybody's account, but clients can't see each other's. There's ways to use it in supervision. Um, there is, there's just so many features to it. So it's really a program. But that's how it came about, is I just saw that, that it was going to be so important for these people who are in situations like, say, the crisis situation mm -hmm. to access such a powerful tool. Right. But then I started thinking about other kind of accessibility and like, like I have a client who's in a wheelchair and reaching and accessing my traditional tray is difficult for him. Mm. Even, even if he can come up to the shelves and my shelves aren't that high, right. like he's a child in a wheelchair. So to reach up to, to reach some of the things that for a person not in a wheelchair could reach easily, it's still difficult for him. And I started thinking, this is something that could give him a sense of mastery a sense of inclusion right. and I put I put it in the early stages I put it in his in his lap and, and he was able to do it and he just looked up at me and said I can do this oh my god and I got instant goosebumps and yeah. it was one of those moments in a session where you just want to go yes yes like you really can't you know because <laughs> <Right. laughs> your client would think you're crazy <laughs> Right. right. And, and I just started thinking there's people who don't want to touch the sand. There's yeah. sensory overload. That's there's right. Traumatized people who, for some of the people who have been through really traumatic events, a sensory experience can actually be triggering. That's for them. right. So, That's right. So to me, it seems 
like some people think of the virtual sand tray as being some sort of anti-traditional, and it's actually not. It's actually in honor of the traditional and trying to expand it for the people and the situations where the traditional is not possible oh my gosh you're a rock star dr stone this is amazing this is amazing because it it it's just so forward thinking and you know we don't think about the triggering aspects of working with the actual sand and what that might mean for certain individuals or even people with some limitations and the 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 development of this is huge i mean i didn't even learn about it until like a couple of months ago but i think that this should be like this should be like oh my gosh everywhere um you you have removed by with development of this program you have removed excuses for people who don't want to try technology um you know, because you're that's coming. A big statement. I appreciate. That. Well, it's true because you you just jumped in, and I think that's important for us to take into consideration. Sometimes you need to jump in, especially this was motivated by passion and a, yeah. a need to fulfill a, a need that needed to be fulfilled for your clients and or or people in who are in um, emotional distress. And so I, I applaud you today. Um, this is just amazing. Uh, what was one of the biggest hurdles you had to face with the development of this app? Oh, well, in development, once my husband was on board and learned more and more and more about what Santray was, he really just took it to such new levels. And, and so the development itself really, I think the biggest hurdle has been financially because yeah. we have completely, we're bootstrapped. We've completely financed this. I'm still paying money every month on credit cards yeah, and yeah. whatnot because we have over 5,000 3D models available. Oh my and, goodness. And the 3D models matters because it's not just this two-dimensional flat cardboard-like object sitting in the sand. It's an object where when you rotate all the way around, it is a, a complete item like a house or, a wow. or whatever it is. So we have over 5,000 of those available and we have to purchase every single one of them. Wow. Well, let me, let me officially say thank you to you and your husband for your contribution to the field because this is amazing and um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to spread like wildfire. Um, the other, wow. The other piece that's super exciting is that there was a point when I said this needs to be in VR because mm. and one of the questions that you, you had proposed to me originally to think about was where where do I see any of this going? And I will tell you that I think VR has the potential to be a, a complete game changer and a, a, an accessory and a staple all at the same time to our work because it is a phenomenal experience. And yes. I've actually started using VR in my office clinically as well. Um, it's a, it's a big investment, but I think it's yes, really it is. worth it. So, so and, what type of VR, and just for the people who are listening who may not understand okay, what VR, virtual right, virtual, we're talking about virtual reality. It's for, for So what types of VR do you use in your office? So as far as hardware goes, we're mm -hmm. using the uh, Vive, so the HTC Vive. And okay. there's a bunch of different ones out yeah. there. And for pe people who aren't familiar, there's certainly ones that you can put your phone into uh, there's recently an Oculus Go that was developed and, and is out there, and it's less expensive. Um, there's um, 
a risk. There's an odyssey. There's a lot of them out there. It can feel really, really overwhelming. And I know we don't have time to get into all of right. that here now. Oh my gosh, I um, need a part two and three. <laughs> right. And I'm happy to do that. Yes. Uh, super happy to do that. So, so I, I, the reason why we went with the Vive is twofold. One is because it, it, is, an, a, it is a better experience. It is your field of vision right. is broader the the controls you have with the controller so you have to get over the learning curve of knowing how to use them mm -hmm. but really it's totally doable we've done uh booths where we've had the vr available because we have the virtual sand tray mm -hmm. in the vr in the virtual reality oh that's so cool uh, program and and i'll get into that in just a second but to finish my thought the the uh the lower you go down on the totem pole cost wise and sophistication in your virtual reality headset, mm. the, the less satisfying it's going to be. Mm -hmm. So if you're really going to do this, I strongly suggest that you go all out invest. Yeah. Yeah. You invest because even, even last night, so we're testing out the Oculus go right now. And my son was testing it out for us, my 10 year old. And, and he was saying the frustration he was having with some of the controls and that his field of vision is really limited. He was putting up his arms. I can only see from here to here. Mm. Whereas in the other ones, you can see all the way around. So that might not seem like a big deal, but when you're thinking about an immersive experience and your senses are telling you, you are in this environment, you don't want that truncated by frustrating controllers. That's or right. A, a limited field of view. You want to be able to really be in it and relax in it yeah. and do what you're there to do. So uh, if anybody is going to even think about it, I, I strongly suggest you, you, you really just make the investment because if you're going to do it in a clinical way, I believe strongly it needs to be done right. So Dr. Stone, how much would, should someone expect to, to invest when if, let's just say they were going to go with um, using VR in their office, what, what would you um, recommend that they anticipate on spending a range? So for, for, I believe, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, mm -hmm. but if memory serves me, the, the Vive, the HTC Vive that mm -hmm. I'm talking about, it used to be when we first bought our first one to program it for the virtual sand tray, mm -hmm. it was $899 for the headset and the controllers. Okay. And it has come down quite a bit. So I think it went down to like $699 and now if I remember correctly, it's at four ninety nine. Oh, that's great! So we oh. need more people to buy, so the demand, so that it could get cheaper. <laughs> right, exactly. It'll keep going down, yes. and because because there are competitors, there are are these other systems. Like I was mentioning, the Oculus Go, and yes. part of the big reason that we were testing it out is because with the HTC Vive, you have to have sensors. So there's two sensor boxes that will go up in your corners, basically of your room, mm -hmm. and then. That's how it picks up in a 360-degree oh, okay. way what your movements are oh, and what you're, how you're interacting with the environment. So the Oculus Go, part of the reason why it's less expensive, because that one's about $250. And part of the reason it's less expensive is because it's that lower, yeah. lower quality experience. Mm. Right. Well, it's not a bad quality for what it is, but it, it, it's definitely not the same clinical experience. So... So the part of the limitation is you don't have these sensor boxes. Right. So your only way that your hand movements and your controller movements are being picked up is through this headset. So you can see the difference. One is 
that sensors up in the ceiling area that is picking up everything you're doing. Right. And one is just being able to pick up what's near the headset. So it's, it's different, right? Right. So, so the ones in the corners probably give you a, a, a larger range to see. Absolutely. To see and to, and to move around and to interact with your environment. So, so I, I would say somewhere in the 499 range and hopefully okay. it'll just keep, keep going down. And then the other expense is your computer. Mm. So some people will have computers that they would be able to upgrade in a way because you need to have, and I know I'm going to talk some geek talk here, and really it's, I've just learned these things myself over this process. <laughs> <laughs> but oh you're going gosh. to need a certain level uh, graphics card and you're going to need a certain level processor, a um, mm -hmm. certain level of memory to be able to run these higher end things right so there will be either a computer a computer purchase or a computer upgrade that's going to happen because most typical people do not have what's needed to run all of this what, what type computer of computer do you have well are we have we have a bunch of them also oh, <laughs> <laughs> in in this process we've had to keep you know trying doing different yeah. things we have a lot of ipads because every time an ipad uh, uh, Apple puts out new ones, then they require developers to develop for the newest ones. Mm. So we have generations of those. We have different computers for the VR uh, development. So right. in my office, we have an Alienware laptop. And we went with the laptop because it's portable. Right. Uh, and so if I'm going to go speak and do presentations somewhere and I want to take the VR with me, then that's a lot easier to carry around than a big, huge tower. Right. So in my office, clinically, I have a laptop. It's also a, a lot less of a big production of having a computer in my office. Right. Uh, because I, I'm not using it for other things with my clients other than the virtual reality. So, so what is the most common diagnosis do you treat with the VR? Or does it range? So I, mean, I think it's a range. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about, uh, for instance, there's a lot of research being done right now and very impressive research. And I have a Facebook page, Digital Play Therapy, that if people want to follow, they can, I really don't put much more on there except research that I find. Okay. And then sometimes other people can send me research and I'm happy to put it on there as well as, as long as it's well done. Right. So... So it's not um, full of other things, but if you want to find some of the current research, I, I, I try to keep up with a lot of stuff there. So, uh, but there's a lot of research being done with uh, specifically anxiety okay. and anxiety disorders. So helping people, one, experience some mindfulness and relaxation and whatnot, right. but also trying to help people discover what's even relaxing to them. Mm -hmm. So... I have some clients, some of my, my tweens in particular, who are having trouble identifying how to become in a more relaxed state. And the things that worked for them when they were younger aren't working for them now and middle school stresses and all that kind right. of stuff. And so one of the things I'm working with quite a few of my clients with right now is trying to identify what is even relaxing to you. And recently I had an experience and I'll just sanitize it all over the place but <laughs> to, to just give you the, the nuts and right bolts. I had experience recently where this person was unable to to really find that relaxation place and in one of the programs called nature treks 
you're able to one pick the environment oh. and two within the environment uh, you can say if say if you pick the the green meadow mm-hmm. you can pick uh, a spot you walk all around you can there's animals there's flowers there's all kinds of stuff and then you can put trees and bushes and rocks where you want them. Mm-hmm. So this person actually created a little sacred space. Oh my gosh. And then, and then sat in the middle of this sacred space. Now, for people who have not done VR before, I will tell you that I didn't understand it until mm-hmm. you had the opportunity to do it. Do it. In, the, in the process of creating the virtual reality, uh, virtual stand tray program, mm-hmm. I came home from dinner, I mean, from work one day and I was starting to make dinner and my husband had been working on it. And he said, you've got to see this. And I was honestly kind of had an attitude because I've worked <laughs> right. all day and now I'm making dinner and you want me to put this thing on right. my head. And, you know, I was in mom yeah. mode and, and I, 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 I wasn't very kind, I don't think. And I'm, a, I'm publicly apologizing <laughs> for that. And, and because I'm so grateful for all that he's done. And so anyway, I put the headset on and I'm standing there and it's just a grid initially because he hasn't initiated the program. And all of a sudden it turns on. And I was so flabbergasted by this experience because everything about you is telling you you're in this environment. Mm. It's just, oh my, and so I'm looking around and I'm actually, so we'll get to the virtual sand tray uh, program for the VR in this now. So I'm literally standing in my world. I'm in the yeah. sand tray and I am now able to dig in the sand, build up the sand, change the, the blue bottom tray that we were talking about. Traditionally, we have as a default, when you dig down into the sand, now you get to the, the blue, which would right. be water. And you can change that to be lava, to be poison, to all sorts of things. You can change your background. So like the whole skybox can be different things. It can be foreboding. It can be bright and cheery and anything in between. And so I'm placing these models and I'm walking around in my world. And it's it's just a a phenomenal experience to be actually interacting with this world you've created. And just think of the things you could do in that. You could set up any sort of, real life scenario and now interact with that scenario you could role play right you could could just set it to be the way you wanted it to be in the fantasy mode Uh, you can also be up above the tray so in the traditional when you're looking down at the tray you know you can also do that in vr be up above it so creating it in that similar way so um i just was blown away at how much it's an immersive experience that your body is just telling you you're in it so back to the nature track, the addition in the nature track is that you also have sound. Mm. So there's birds chirping and you just really- Oh my goodness. That amazing. sounds amazing. Yeah. I actually read an article the other yeah. day um, and this guy used exposure therapy. He used the VR for exposure therapy for someone who suffered from arachnophobia really badly. And so I'm, yeah. did you, are you familiar with that article? I don't remember which school. I, I okay, am. so he was- t- Yeah, there's- Oh, well, he was just basically talking about how he uses uh, VR for exposure therapy with clients. And one of, he was just spe- specifically speaking about a case with um, uh, uh, to, to getting a client close enough to a tarantula to, you know, decrease her fear stimulus. And I was like, this is amazing work he's doing. Yeah. 
I just did a, a panel. I was very honored to be invited to be on a panel for a conference at Cedars-Sinai in hospital in Los mm. Angeles. And uh, I mean, that's just, just to be invited to Cedars-Sinai to do something is just an honor in and of itself. And then on top of it, they're doing, Dr. Brennan Steele and his team, they're doing amazing work with virtual reality with, in the medical yes. world. And they had even some of their own patients come to the conference and explain their stories of how they experienced VR in their medical treatment and how much it benefited wow. them. And so I was on a panel for this um, virtual medicine conference and I, one of the participants was Dr. Les Posen and he's out of Australia. Okay. And he was saying that historically, he has actually done quite a bit of exposure therapy with people who are afraid of flying. Mm. And he used to do it where they literally would charter a plane. He had a company that was available and people would come to him for all over the world to, to get over their fear of flying. And they would literally charter a plane and go up in the plane together and do sessions. Wow. Way. And he's saying the amazing thing about VR is that it's so much less expensive to do very, very similar. Yes. So he now does this plain fear of flying exposure therapy with VR instead of having to actually go to the airstrip, charter a plane, do all of that. And, and I was blown away by his work. It's really, really there is so much happening. Oh, it makes me want to scream. but because it's so exciting this you know it's just so exciting i who this is jetsons you know like this is jetsons stuff we're seeing and you know and so it's like who would have thought like i really do believe there will be flying cars you know because like what is not accessible at this point you know and so the fact that that uh clients are getting better using these different therapeutic modalities is just so amazing to me and oh my gosh I could go on for like another 45 minutes I just I have so many questions I just jotted down aside but I'm not going to ask them to you now I'm going to definitely have to have you back on yes um so you answered my question about you know where do we see our field heading in the next five years with technology and I think definitely VR is is definitely going to be a part of that it's already a part of it but it's going to be even it's going to blow up you know but where can yes, people get in, in contact with you Dr. Stone I, I heard you say um digital play therapy on Facebook uh, groups okay yes uh, where else mm-hmm. and, then, and then on Facebook I also have Jessica Stone PhD RPTS is another page that I have and I put different things on that and then we also have virtual sand tray app which is a Facebook page okay. so any of those people can get a hold of me through okay. one of those and I I do my best to keep up with it all I'll tell you you know again to emphasize I'm an older person <laughs> and keeping up with all this stuff can be a challenge because I also have Twitter. As oh, well. wow. Um, I also have, also have Instagram, but I'll tell you, I'm not very good at keeping oh, up with wow. Instagram. And, and, and my colleague and friend, Claire Melantine tells me all the time I need to do better. <laughs> and I'm trying, right. I'm trying. To, right. But thank you for trying, to, but thank you for trying to keep up. But listen, we are definitely going <laughs> to put all of your contact information in the show notes because I'm pretty sure People are going to reach out to you with questions and we are definitely going to have another conversation in the near, near future. Um, And I just want to thank you for your time, your contribution. I'm just so excited that we were introduced. Absolutely. Me too, because we definitely have a lot more stuff to talk about. So that would be absolutely great. Tons, tons. (laughs) 
Okay. Well, listen, have a great day. And thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Me too. Right. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, please rate, subscribe, and share with a friend. Take care.